0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The issue of improving financial literacy here in the United States continues to be one which hasn't been answered fully. There are plenty of people trying to address it, and younger generations seem to be more aware of things like retirement savings, but you still do have a wide swath of the American public that doesn't have enough in retirement accounts some of them not even having the counts at all. Our next guest trying to answer that from a unique perspective and at the same time maybe also in part addressing the issue of equality. Entrepreneur and artist Ross Mack is the co-host of the Money Music Culture Podcast here on Sirius XM. You hear him uh, hosting that with our friend Brandon Copeland. He was also in a recently released Netflix documentary, Get Smart with Money, and host of his Maconomics video series. Ross, pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thanks for a few moments.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me.
0: So when I say financial literacy and the challenges that are out there, what do you see as the biggest elements to try and deal with at this point?
1: Yeah, when you think about financial literacy, we have to understand it is something that is a dire need for every community in this country, right? However, it's not actually taught to us, right? We're taught to be consumers as opposed to becoming owners, right? Whether it's through investing, whether it's, you know how to even buy a home, right? We have the ability when you go away to college, you have a sw- you, you're able to receive a swath of different credit card offers, but have no idea how this could truly impact your credit, right? And those type of conversations need to happen at home, but also believe it should happen in the schools. And what one of the things I realized when you start thinking about the wealth gap in this country, right? It truly stems from you know education gap as well as an exposure gap. So there are different conversations that are being had. At upper- to middle-class family uh, dinner tables relative to lower-middle-class families.
0: So where along the education spectrum, then, do you think we need to start this process? Because a lot of people talk about high school, and there are school districts out there that do some level of financial literacy. But, you know, we're talking about the need being very dire in terms of uh, of having that understanding on a lot of these basic concepts right now.
1: Yeah, I think it. Well, one, you know, I I I want to you know put the onus on parents, right? I, I definitely believe these conversations should start happening at the earlier age. So one of the things I live by is saying that financial literacy is a language, and the earlier you learn how to speak it, the more likely you will become fluent in it. And one thing I do, I have a two-year-old daughter. As I'm taking her to school, I record a series called Conversations with Rossi, and I'm literally talking to her about what's going on. Hey, so Jerome Powell is doing this. Why this is why the Fed is trying to raise rates or this is, you know, the impact on inflation. This is, you know, how I can help, you know, this is, these are the stocks you own in your portfolio. So nonetheless, the more I talk to her about it, it will become second nature and second language to her. But I also believe it should be mandated in schools, right? I think one of the things we talked about was, you know, sex education, you know, uh, health classes, gym classes, right? What well, we're trying to promote healthy lifestyles. I think we need to also promote financially healthy lifestyles as well.
0: How do we try and go about that? Because one of the, the, the restrictions I, I hear about doing that is not having enough personnel within the school to be able to, you know, bring forward the type of curriculum you would want to have. How do you kind of hurdle that? And maybe it's in part kind of, uh, you know, as, as you and, and Brandon talk about, a little bit of a public-private partnership.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I – with Brandon and I would definitely be down to actually start consulting with schools because at the end of the day, all you have to do is build some type of curriculum that teachers have the ability to follow. We're not saying, hey, this is how you value a company and doing, you know, price to earnings on on a stock or anything. We're just saying basic fundamentals when it comes to saying, hey, this is a credit score. This is what is comprised of it. These are the things that you should think about when it comes to retirement and just just basic things that I feel as though, you know, us American kids should start actually having access to. Now, when it comes to implementing in the schools, once again, right, I think the same way teachers have lesson plans that they get kind of from the top down, we should try to mandate some level of financial literacy there.
0: Like having a checking account and or a savings account at a younger age and understanding, especially with the savings account, if it, if it has interest bearing on it, the understanding of that component as well. Absolutely.
1: Need, kids need to know what inflation is. Right. And, and here's the thing. Right. I I don't have the ability to enact this type of legislation. Right. I don't have the ability to go speak to school board well technically i do but i'm one i'm of the camp of saying i can only control what i can control right and therefore i utilize my social media to step in and do this right because i think we understand you know kids are over indexed now to utilizing social media youtube tiktok instagram to actually going and getting information and that's where i effectively thrive and put a lot of my content.
0: Let me talk to you for a moment about financial literacy but also the component of equality and how it may be able to impact a lot of communities, lower income communities, if we can have a movement, you know, to really address some of these issues in those areas as well.
1: Yeah, when it comes to equality, I think when we start thinking about the overall financial literacy, it's, you know, important to actually understand that the ability to acquire wealth has historically been kept away from certain groups, right? When you start thinking about redlining or different predatory loan practices from different banks when it comes to minorities and people of color. Now, when it comes to the actual aspects of financial literacy, it's very important to understand. You know, When it comes to credit, people of color are traditionally underbanked. So where are they going? They're going to currency exchange where they have some of the worst predatory, you know, (laughs) cash advance loans and things of that sort. So at the end of the day, I think having these conversations will actually help at some point try to bridge this inequality gap when it comes to wealth, the wealth gap. And I think just having basic conversations, helping people understand the importance of knowing about life insurance, helping people understand how to start thinking about generational wealth. So when I talk about redlining, when you start thinking about, you know, African Americans and how they effectively, you know, weren't able to own homes. Well, guess what? You start thinking about the generations that come afterwards where their children and their children's children aren't able to inherit a home. Right, where it says ninety percent of Americans oh, I'm sorry, ninety percent of the world's millionaires got their million, their first million from real estate. Well, when it comes to that, African Americans then weren't for the for the vast majority weren't able to participate in that because their ancestors weren't able to own homes that, from a redlining standpoint, was able to appreciate in that. So it's it's so many things, right? Uh, yeah. I could go all day, but I, I I think you know the conversations need to be had as well as the education needs to be given.
0: Well, and part of this is tied to what you're doing with your Macanomics series. Tell us a little bit about that. About that.
1: Yeah. So maconomics stemmed from me saying <clears throat> I wanted to really focus on the exposure gap. So one thing about me, I graduated from warden and one of the things I learned was what you're exposed to really helps show, shape your your frame of reference, as well as can actually construct what you're able to even dream about in your goals. And so while I was sitting in class, first time I ever, I saw a guy day trading. Literally, I'm. <laughs> 18 19 years old and the kid is day trading in the middle of econ 101 and i said okay that's crazy i instantly said i want to start investing i opened my first uh portfolio and bought my first stock in 20 in 2008 during the recession and now currently we're probably in a recession not probably we're in a recession right and so understanding that and from from warden i went and worked on wall street and the entire impetus behind economics was bringing wall street to main street because when you think about it these are some very hard concepts that traditionally people think are, you know, oh, that doesn't look like me. I don't I don't need to know about that. And so instead, what I do is I I approach it almost like an urban Jim Cramer. It's time to have the same conversations Jim Cramer's having, but make you laugh, make it more relatable, and more importantly, educate you on some things that I feel as though you truly need to know about.
0: So it's not necessarily, in some cases, a fear of, of understanding it, but – It does feel like that there are challenges that people believe are out there that they cannot break through that, in some cases, probably are a little bit easier than they would think.
1: Yeah, I mean, historically, we think about it, right? There were high barriers to entry, right? When you think about, you know, 30 years ago, it was probably probably very difficult to try to go out and buy stocks. When I bought stocks in 2008, it cost me $13, $12.99 commission fee. Now, luckily, through different apps, you know, people have focused on the democratization of things, right, making it easier for everyone to actually be able to go and buy stocks. But yet there's still a lot of barriers when it comes to getting this type of information, right? I think that when you are coming from a low middle class background, it's very hard to start thinking about retirement when you are already are currently in survival mode right? You're 16. Sometimes your parents don't necessarily have wealth. And so now you're thinking about how to get money now, Mm -hmm. as opposed to having a disciplined approach to saying, Oh, Oh, what if I just put $250 in the S and P 500 every month? And guess what? When I retire, I'll be a millionaire. Like the idea of that sounds so easy to the outside right now, I say the outside, the people that come from privilege, but when you're in, uh, in that type of reality, the idea of thinking thirty years from now is very foreign. It's a luxury to actually be able to think about that, right? And mm-hmm. so, it, 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 it's you know, it, it's a it's a fully it, it, it's a it's a big you know problem, big issue. But nonetheless, I'm trying to utilize my brand and my economics to actually start giving people more hope and better understanding of how to attain and keep wealth.
0: If you're talking to a a, a high school student right now, what's the one or two things, pieces of advice that you give them? about financial literacy and about thinking about their future financially.
1: Yeah, funny enough, I literally just had a conversation yesterday. I partnered with Chance the Rapper, and we were talking to some students in Chicago yesterday. And the very first thing is helping them understand that money – is a tool, right? It's not a means to an end. It is a tool of utilized correctly. And so it's all about changing their mindset and helping them understand, look, we have been programmed to be consumers as opposed to owners. And one thing you look around is helping them put things in their own, uh, their own perspective, things that they can relate to. So I'll say how many of you kids have, you know, raised a hand, have actually waited in line to go buy some new shoes? Right, that's a new realm, right? And they say, oh, half of them raise a hand. Okay, guess what? The moment you bought those shoes at retail price, you were able to then sell it for four or five times on StockX. Yeah, and this is effectively the stock market. We're talking supply demand. So then, then going from there, also letting them know, look, you have the ability. All those companies you consume, you have the ability to actually be a very small owner of those companies. Everybody had on Nikes. Everybody used. Instagram. So they have Facebook and Google and Amazon, et cetera. So we went through the gamut and then it was just saying, listen, one of the things you want to do is just start developing a discipline that you can surely become wealthy long-term now understood, right? Some people are like, yo, I need money now, as opposed to in the future. So it's just helping them understand, <clears throat> understanding how to start putting money aside today, right? Those yeah. are the things, those are the habits you need to start forming that will help Make you become financially free later on.
0: And, and so you just brought up something I wanted to touch on it anyway, and thank you for touching on it because the uniqueness about what you're trying to do is in part your connection through music, through rap. You mentioned Chance the Rapper and, and and others that you are kind of working with to try and reach out to a lot of these kids that that maybe necessarily would not think about these elements.
1: Absolutely, music is. it's everywhere in our, in our community. And I think that one of the greatest forms of marketing is saying, let me go where my target audience is. So, you know, whether people might not use billboards as much as everybody's online. Right. But the, the very strong, the, the the very strong media form that everyone does is have, you know, listening to music and (laughs) there on a daily basis. And so one of the things I do is I make, you know, pretty educational financial literacy music, right? I call it, you know, uh, financial literacy rap. And one of the things I do is the same thing that the average person, you know, the average rapper, for the most part, it's a very bolsterous sport where people are bragging about this or that. One of the things I brag about are the things that I want the average kid to actually go look up, right? I'm right. talking about, you know, million dollar deals, just reading the prospectus. Okay. What is the prospectus? Now let's let's start actually having those conversations. I'm talking about investing. I'm talking about my kids have a 529. I'm saying these random things, but when it's put together, one, it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but more importantly, it's just a different genre of music that. You know, the average kid, I think, would one love, but two actually draw some inspiration from.
0: But it is interesting because when when you think about some of the, of the great rap artists, and and many of them have become business moguls over the last yep. you know couple of decades, there's probably a very easy connection, I would think, from the artists themselves to want to connect with you and and deliver this message so that the next generation can have that that step up.
1: Yeah, there's a huge, there's a a, a new push when it comes to the art of literally, you know, talking about a different level of attaining wealth. Right? When you listen to a song by Jay Z, he's no longer talking about the things he talked about when he first came into the industry. He's talking about, you know, buying an art collection, and when he dies, his kids are going to inherit that. He's talking about, you know, I'm I'm literally sitting at the cap table and we're discussing equity splits. Right? The, The the type of music people are making now is gonna resonate a little better because they themselves have grown and started to see different levels of wealth. And, you know, my background is just coming from that. (laughs) Working on Wall Street for over six years. My type of conversation is different, but that's what I use the art for. It's to say, listen, kids, you don't need you didn't need to go to Ward nor work at Morgan Stanley or Grosvenor, et cetera. I'm gonna bring that right to your doorstep. And that's that's the thing that I love about it.
0: Ross, great to have you with us. I-, I love what you and Brandon are doing on the podcast. So wish you guys all the best. Thanks so much
1: for having me, and you guys have an amazing day.
0: Thank you. Ross Mack, as we mentioned, co-host of Money Music Culture right here on Sirius XM with our friend Brandon Copeland, also host of the Mackonomics video series. And as we mentioned also, and didn't even get to mention it to him, about that Netflix documentary he was part of, but uh, that out uh, called Get Smart with Money.